This reading is from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 1 to 27. Hear, O sons, the father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts, do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you, love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honour you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the path of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of righteousness is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them, and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from your crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forwards, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swear to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Amen. Thank you, Christopher. Let's just pray. Father God, thank you that uh, I have the opportunity to bring your word. And I just pray, Lord, that 
Uh, it may be your words that people hear. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the last time I spoke, I was also talking about wisdom. And this is kind of part two. Um, wisdom the sequel, that's what I like to call it. Um, and you'll recall, maybe, if, you, if you've heard it, that uh, we spoke about where wisdom comes from in the first part. Um, the, the wisdom literature of the Bible, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs and Job. Um, how do we get it? Well, we get it from God, essentially, in summary. It's a, it, we get it from a spirit of fearing God. Fear of the law begins with humility. <clears throat> so there's a kind of nice flow chart of how you get wisdom, spiritual wisdom. It starts with humility, goes on to fear of God, and then wisdom. Proverbs 9, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And you'll uh, recall that I read a quote from Gerald Wilson that said, The fear of the Lord is no abject terror, nor is it simply awe, but it's a deep-seated humility grounded in an abiding awareness of one's absolute dependence for existence, on the undeserved mercy of the Lord. Only through such humility and dependence can the human be prepared to perceive and receive the wisdom that God sends. So leading to the fear of God, leading to that godly wisdom that we should desire. As Christopher read in, in Proverbs 4, it's really important apparently, that we get this wisdom, get wisdom, get understanding, though it costs you everything. So we've seen where wisdom comes from, but I'm going to take a look now where it might lead us to. Oh, by the way, I, I, there was a challenge at the, uh, at the end of last, the last sermon I preached, which, which was... Has, everyone, has anyone read a, a chapter of Proverbs every day? I didn't do Proverbs, I did Luke. Did you? Luke had 31 chapters. Oh, okay. Proverbs does too, so you could do... Oh, well, well done. I did start, but obviously we're not at the end of July. Yeah, that's good. Well, August would work for Proverbs, so there's still a challenge there. Read that wisdom literature. So if we have the knowledge of the things that are from God, if we are humble, if we uh, fear God, if we have wisdom, is it going to make us successful? Will it pay off? You know, people in the world want kind of payoff, don't they? You put some work in, you want something back. That's what we're kind of uh, led to believe in, in, in the world. Solomon says that if we get to know the lady of wisdom, the personification of wisdom there, she'll help you and she'll make you succeed. So even godly wisdom can help you to succeed. But there's a caveat. In this world, God's wisdom is classed as foolishness. I remember 
when um, when we were in, in school, I, had, I was lucky to, to have several Christian teachers that we, we uh, sort of met regularly with. And we used to do this thing called a prayer walk, and we used to go in early in the morning and kind of wander around the corridors of the school. And it was a big school, um, so there was plenty of corridors. And we just prayed, and we, we just wandered around in a bundle, kind of just praying. And, and people thought we were bonkers. But they kind of accepted it in the end, because they just thought we were crazy. There's that bunch of Christians wandering around again. But we, we really felt that's what God was calling us to do. God's wisdom is classed as foolishness in this world. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. So that's from Isaiah 29, being quoted by Paul. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world, through its wisdom, did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. It's fantastic, isn't it, that, that the world may think that our wisdom, God's wisdom, is foolish, but in turn God turns that on its head and says that the, the wisdom of the world is like foolishness. So we have this, this kind of paradox in verse 25 of that same chapter 1 Corinthians 1. The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. That's what we need to hold on to, isn't it? God's foolishness has the power to save. That's the key. God's foolishness has the power to save. So, if we have God's wisdom, we may be perceived as fools, but the world cannot perceive or receive the wisdom of God because that wisdom is spiritually discerned. So we need to get into that mindset of God that I spoke about in Philippians in, a, in another sermon. We need to, to tap into God's spirit in Jesus to be able to discern that wisdom. Chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians goes on to say, verse 14, the person without the Spirit does not accept the things which come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, and they cannot understand, because they are discerning only through the Spirit. Verse 19 of chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, but the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, as it is written. He catches the wise in their craftiness, which is uh, Paul quoting from Job, from that wisdom literature um, in the Old Testament. So all this sort of opposition and, and people thinking that, that we're bonkers may lead us to, to doubt that wisdom does pay off. Jeremiah 12. 
verses 1 to, to 4. You are always righteous, Lord, when I bring a case before you. Yet I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why do all the faithless live at ease? You have planted them, and they have taken root. They grow, they bear fruit. You are always on their lips, but far from their hearts. Yet you know me, Lord. You see me. You test my thoughts about you. Drag them off like sheep to be butchered. Set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will the land lie parched and the grass in every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked. The animals and birds have perished. Moreover, the people are saying, he will not see what happens to us. So there's Jeremiah having a right old moan about all the people that don't have spiritual wisdom seeming to do very well. Um, you know, he wants them all to be carted off by God and slaughtered. If we go back to Proverbs 4, verse 18, that Christopher read, the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the first full light of day. There's other translations of that. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines ever more brightly until the day is full. The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn going on and brightening to a more radiant day. Isn't that a fantastic illustration? Solomon uses it to, to tell his son that God's wisdom does pay. When you come to know God's way through Jesus, you get his spirit, you understand his ways. It's like the dawning of the day, the sun coming up. And as you go along that path of godliness, the light just starts to radiate throughout all your days, throughout your experiences, throughout your, your habits, your words, your thoughts, your deeds. That light spreads out to all of those people around you. But, but it's not like our 24-hour day. This day goes on and on until the perfect day of eternity when it radiates through the whole universe. What an amazing thing that is, that God's wisdom gives us this, this hope of, of, of light dawning in the world. And the whole topic of light is yet another sermon that we could do, but, so we're, we're not going to do that. But I just, that, that illustration is just amazing. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that believes in me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And we know the word of God is a lamp to our feet, as David said. And we become, we become like light as we take on that character of Jesus. If we take on God's wisdom, we have faith in him alone. Our path in life will be that shining path that Solomon talks about in Proverbs. So in verse 18 of Proverbs 4, there is a progression, and that's important too. Life will be a process of light growing in our lives. It's not just a one-off event. The sun gets higher and higher after the dawn. 
And if we walk in the way of wisdom, we can expect to progress as a child of God. Remember um, when Alison was leading that children's service a couple of weeks ago, and Patrick came up, we had to kind of grade out, do the offstick grading on our rocks. Um, he came up and he said he was a number two because he was very happy with that because it showed that he could progress to number three and that he was making progress. And I thought that was really lovely. And, and, and he's absolutely captured that, what, what is being talked about in, in verse 18, that, that it isn't just a single event, that we are constantly striving and making progress towards that day where we will have eternal light. God is glorified when we walk in the light of his path. And it grows into a brighter light until that perfect day. But he is not glorified by the stunted growth of his children. If we're stationary and we're not growing, that's not glorifying to him. Paul in Philippians 3 says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, become like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So we need to be constantly thinking about how we move forward in God's light. It's not a one-off event. It's something we need to strive for, to win that prize for which God has called us. Paul wants to know Christ, and that knowledge leads to wisdom. We know that. Paul wants to press on to progress as a child of God, something that we could take as a, as a lesson to. So wisdom will lead us to a lighted path. Our progress will be uh, towards a growing light, but also, life's destiny will be a perfect light. Let's move on to 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is a spirit. We're being transformed into Jesus' likeness if we are prepared to take on this godly wisdom. 2 Peter 1, verse 19. We have this prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place until that day dawns, and the morning star rises in your hearts. And of course, the morning star is Jesus. So this analogy of God in the form of Jesus 
dawning in our lives as the kind of payoff for God's wisdom and our progress towards that striving to, to take on the character of God. That's what we need to kind of grasp hold of. Peter talks about Jesus coming again, not only externally in the world, but as a, a star arising in your heart. So it's an internal thing as well. And there's a day coming, as we know, when all the darkness of doubts and depression will be cast away by that radiant light of Jesus coming into the world. We have the perfect scriptures but even they are limited because one day those perfect scriptures will be replaced by the perfect and complete revelation of Jesus himself. And the external world, one perfect day of ever-increasing light and joy, we will arrive at the end, the perfect day. And that's what we should be pressing on towards. So the world really can't comprehend our wisdom. It classes it as foolishness. We can't always see towards the end. We can't always see where God is taking us. And that's confusing sometimes, isn't it? We can't see how this road of wisdom will always pay off. But we know one thing, that God is in control and that he has a plan for us. There's an old fable that, uh, about a woodcutter, which I just want to kind of use to illustrate this idea that we may not know what's happening, but God is in control. But this woodcutter, probably German, but it doesn't matter, lived in a, in a Schwarzwald somewhere, completely irrelevant, he had a horse, anyway, had this wonderful horse. And it was admired by everyone around, and uh, he was offered loads of money for it. I want to buy your horse. But he wouldn't sell it. But then one day the horse ran off and was lost. And the people came to him, if you'd have sold us your horse, you'd have had lots of money and you'd have been rich. This is a curse from God. should have sold us your horse. And the woodcutter said, no, don't speak too quickly. All we know is that the horse is gone. We don't know why or we don't know what's going to happen, but God is in control. Well, people thought he was bonkers. Should have taken the money. But two weeks later, the horse came back, clopping through the forest. And behind him, there were 15 other wild horses that he'd managed to kind of bring along with him. People said, it's a blessing from God. All these horses you've now got. The woodcutter said, don't say that. Just say that the horse has returned and God is in control. Though the woodcutter's son then was breaking in the horses, these wild horses, uh, when one trod on him and broke his leg. And people said, it's a curse from God. What happened to your son? Can't walk anymore. He's laid up. He's going to be out for weeks and weeks and weeks. Oh, it's a curse. The woodcutter said, no, 
Don't say that. Just say, we only know that my son's leg is broken and that God is in control. Well, as it happened, the country suddenly became in a situation of war with the neighbouring country. And all of the young people were called up to fight in the army. But of course the son had broken his leg and was not called up and was not able to fight in the war. And all the people said, it's a blessing. See how your son broke his leg and it was a curse from God. But no, it's not. It's a blessing. The woodcutter said, Praise God. Praise God. We don't know where God is taking us sometimes. We can't see how sticking to the road and the path of wisdom is going to pay off. But you know what? God is in control. And what does that wisdom literature say to us it says get wisdom get understanding if it costs you everything you have and where will it lead you it will lead you to eternal life it will lead you to that perfect day of dawn of the morning star in your heart of jesus perfect light and that's what we need to, to think about let's pray Father God, thank you that you give us the wisdom that is discerned from the Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you give us wisdom which is from you. And, that, and even if it's classed as foolishness by the world, we know that you are in control and that you guide our paths. And we may not know where we're, we're going, but we know ultimately where we're going, and that is to be with you. And we praise you for that. So Lord, help us to have humility that leads to the fear of God, which leads to that wisdom which is from you. Lord, I pray for wisdom for us all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.